This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of practical shepherding. And I'm joined once again by Jim Sebastio. Hi, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you again. Thank you, brother. You too. So we are going to tackle a most interesting topic today that we have talked ourselves into. Uh, well, hopefully it will be helpful to, but for us to talk about it. Before we do that, just want to encourage you to go to practicalshepherding.com. If uh, any resources there would be helpful to you, you can contact us. If you have any questions or ways we can serve you, please go to the contact button and access that, including you can write us about topics on the podcast you would like for us to tackle in the future. And so that's one way to do that. You can also go to social media and reach us that way as well. Uh, Jim, we have we have decided to do this episode in light of in lieu of many things we could be talking about. But the reality is we have a pretty interesting election ahead of us that as this releases, probably is a few weeks away. Yeah, one or two weeks. Yeah. yeah. So we are going to we are going to actually talk about um, this particular topic about the election. However, what we would like to do, as we talked about, what's going to be the best way to maybe serve the pastors listening to this, and that is we're going to talk about uh, how pastors should approach thinking through leading their churches through a really volatile election cycle. I have to acknowledge, though, I, I love how you know I, I've lived long enough to to hear at least somebody say that. This is the most volatile or the most important election ever and with every presidential election that happens. So we're not necessarily going to say that that's the case, but we recognize the disagreement and a lot of the challenges that are taking place around uh, this particular election, not just presidential election, but uh, this has been quite a year for governors and state elected officials. Like In that way, we want to acknowledge this election cycle is pretty significant in a lot of ways. And will for the future, whatever that means. But we want to be able to give perspective on how pastors should be thinking about going into this election personally, and how much should we lead our church? How much should we not lead our church in this? And how do we go about doing that? How do we pastor people through a pretty volatile election cycle? Jim, why don't you set it up biblically first for us, and then we're going to, with God's help and grace, we're going to try to tackle this conversation. I was hoping you were going to answer all those questions. No, no, I'm going to wait for you. Tell me what to do. I'm going to wait for you. Tell me what to do. <laughs> Brian, I think you, you, you set it up nicely, and I think obviously we're at, we're at a time where pastors are feeling pressure in, in, in to to say things and to address things, and some are in a context where that's more common to do uh, that that you address things and 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 preach on political points and 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 bring those things up regularly. Others are perhaps more tempted just to ignore it. Uh, I want to have this be a safe zone from this. I want to just, yep. and I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into the the mess of it uh, and, and all of the rest. And I think, Brian, I just want to say a few things as far as yeah, setting it up. I think we need to recognize what is our, we have to ask ourselves, what is our role in life? What is our calling in life? And, you know, so we're men and, and we have we have a life in the church. We have a life outside the church. And so outside the church, I'm, I've coached baseball. I've, I've directed theater. I've, you know, you're, you're involved in whatever civic group here or there. Uh, you may be a part of a community group. You may be part of a athletic community or, or whatever it is. And in a sense, it's separate and distinct from your calling, uh, you may you and you may need to make a differentiation between your civic life, your life as a citizen, which is all about really ultimately the temporal, 
versus your pastoral life, which focuses primarily upon the uh, eternal. Yeah. Uh, and and so, what is civic and what is pastoral, and and is there a time when those two hats are put on a, at the same time? particularly uh, on major election years. So this is 2020. This is going to be a presidential election. Four years, we may be having the same conversation. I think we probably feel it more nationally than we do with some of the more individual uh, local races and local concerns. But I think we need to keep in mind that I have a role that a political pundit, my job's not Rush Limbaugh's job, it's not Tucker Carlson's job or whoever else you might want to throw out, Ben Shapiro's job or some guy on the left. Uh, that's not my job. My, my job is to preach the word in season and out of season. Right. But part of that is also bringing God's word to bear upon certain things at, at certain times. So being like the sons of Issachar, who understood the times, they knew the law of God, and they helped Israel to know what to do. And so part of that is taking the eternal and bringing it into the temporal. But I think we need to do that in a way that does not overwhelm uh, our primary calling. Our primary calling is is not, you know, preach, you know, X, Y, Z. I, I could list out the, the list. Uh, of contentions, our job is to preach the word, and right. and our job is to preach Christ and Him crucified. Our job is to bring every believer into maturity in Christ, and and as they do that, that's going to affect the way that people live. The more they understand their Bible, it's going to affect their relationship to the world. It's going to affect their relationship with unbelievers. It's going to affect their relationship to politics. So maybe in the past, politics was a god, and maybe it was a uh, it was what you put your your hope and trust in. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. That's one of the things I think as as pastors we need to address in any political season. And so for some it might have been, and all of a sudden you realize no. It, so you know no, that you know, God's sovereign. Maybe you come to the sovereignty of God, and then you begin to think, well, my civic life doesn't matter. My vote doesn't matter. God's going to do what he's going to do. God's going to build his kingdom. Right. Uh, Christ is going to come. The world's going to go to pot or you know, whatever your, your eschatology is. And, but I think we need to ensure, first of all, that we know what our calling is and not to be confused. Our calling doesn't change every four years. We don't get a new set of marching orders every four years. Right. Our, yeah. our pastoral job, whether we live in England Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, or Vietnam, or Singapore, the job of a pastor is the same in all of those. However, sometimes as we apply and as we speak to God's people in an anxious and tumultuous and divisive time, and th- and it seems like that's gotten more so, at least in my life, in, in the Christian community, things aren't as crystal clear to some believers as they were when Reagan was was president, or when Bush was running, or even when you know, uh, it, it just it's it's different. It's more fractured, and you have evangelicals, people who believe in the essentials of the of of the gospel, not as certain uh, of certain political candidates as they were in the past, and that's affecting our congregation. So I want to give two caveats as as we start this conversation. That is. First of all, we know we have international listeners to this podcast, and so we do want to just highlight that we are certainly talking about an election cycle in the United States, 
with the presidential election, you know, less than a month away, as you're probably listening to this. So just hang with us. We know that there's different electoral aspects to your own country and nation, wherever you're from, possibly not as much as, as they are here. But we, we want to encourage you to just hang with us, uh, even though we may not be talking directly in your context. There may be something helpful for you to to pull from that. The second thing is, is in my experience, I've learned there's really two kinds of churches around this political landscape. And that is, there are churches, depending on where they are in the country a lot of times, and, and denomination even, that a church will be relatively in agreement on being maybe a part of a political party. Mm-hmm. Like one party, right? Or they're all pretty much in agreement on this is the this is the candidate that we would sell, <laughs> s- support. So I want to acknowledge that because there are some who are in that camp, and so as an election cycle comes around, it's not as much of a it's not as much of a conflict in the church. There are other churches where there are vastly different political party representations in the congregation wanting to support different kinds of candidates, having vastly different political views. And and even I want to highlight that a lot of the churches that have you know, a lot of diversity that, that is a good thing in the, in the local church, a lot of times this comes with it, that these, these varying de- uh, degrees of political views, support of candidates, and why. So I just want to acknowledge that because some of you would, will be listening and will relate to one and not think the other one is as, as apparent. And vice versa. I want to highlight both are apparent. Churches all over the place have have churches where the a, a certain candidate or a political party, ninety five percent of the church agrees on it. Yeah, or hundred. Yeah, even a hundred. Yeah, even a hundred percent. Right. right. Sure. But, and then there are. Other, yeah. But if you're in that church, you need to know there are churches that are split down the middle, like three ways even, mm. um, on this issue. And pastors are trying to maneuver through that as well. And I think we see when you say that, Brian, I know what comes to the mind of certain people is, uh, is, is there a diversity in evangelicalism among uh, about uh, issues like abortion, uh, gay marriage? I mean, those are some of the primary things that have been that, that are politicized, that are not just politicized, but I think that the scriptures address and address so clearly yeah. that it's hard to believe anybody would be on the other side of those. So I think when you say that, when you're saying what you're saying, you you might be in a position where you have certain believers that, that that are either maybe they're new converts and they've come out of a situation where they haven't even thought through some of these issues, or they might say, uh, "I agree, I I agree." I mean, obviously, I'm not gonna I'm not rejecting the Bible's uh, narrative on life or on. Uh, on marriage, but there are other issues that matter to me. And and again, be, just because we're living in the day and age, we do things: immigration, uh, the environment, uh, 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 police issues, jail issues, incarceration issues uh, that that begin to to rise and in, in certain people's minds in a way that you know. So I'm an old codger, you know. So I've been around more elections than you have. You have. Um, and you know, John F. Kennedy was president when I came into the world. So mm. I, I, I'm, you know, that's, uh, that's how old I am. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're, you're dealing with, um, a recognition, Brian, we need to, to know and recognize this too. We're, we're dealing particularly with older believers that primarily since the Reagan era where conservative politics which includes not just pro-life issues or pro-family issues, but military issues, 
nuclear, Second Amendment rights, all of those have all been balled together with conservative politics. So yeah. if somebody said something like, I joke about this sometimes, if, if somebody said, I, I think you know, you know, maybe we should have some, you know, some kind of uh, control on the Second Amendment. That somebody's response might be, "You don't believe in the deity of Christ," yeah, because those things are entwined. I was oh, I could have really but, offended somebody by that, uh, but I don't. I'm not taking a position there by saying that. I'm just simply saying there, that uh, that uh, that if somebody were to say, "Hey, I, I think that there are, I think there are some racial issues or something," and in some people's minds, that's like. To to deny certain political truths is seen as a denial of gospel truths, and in some cases, I think that does happen. I mean, and in some people's eyes, I think the what to answer your question, like where's where's the is there a spectrum on evangelicalism? Well, I think there is, and and a lot of it has to do with, like you said, uh, typical like evangelicals have been at least politically conservative and have been certain issue voters right and uh, what i'm finding what i'm learning is that those who are diverse politically in congregations uh, are it's not that they don't care about abortion but they're processing the the election they're processing how do i vote politically in this based on kind of more of a, a holistic approach to it not one issue and so this is just what I'm learning from from others. In yeah, that way. and I understand that, and and I certainly uh, and I, I I come from, and I I would still hold to. I I could never, I could not, and I and I would never ever encourage anybody to vote for a candidate that was not robustly pro life. Uh, I I just I think that there are. I think John Piper said some time ago something like, "I may not be a one issue voter on everything, but." There might be one issue yeah. that means I cannot vote for a man uh, because yeah. he holds. So, like if, for instance, if there was a guy who's an all, oh, he's an all around great guy. He just promotes cannibalism. It's like yeah. you know what? That's a deal breaker. So let's go. Let's go there. Let's go. Let's talk personally about this, okay? And here, let's talk about what are the guardrails for us on this issue, on these issues in our own churches. I'll go first. Okay. I'll go first. All right. So here's a guardrail for me. We're weeks away from an election. What I think I need to do as a pastor is I need to unwaveringly preach God's word week in and week out. That is what I am called to do. Right. Um, and I am not having special speakers the month leading up to the election. I'm not having special forums for us to talk about mm-hmm. candidates and what their issues are. Like I'm not doing any of that. But I, I'm I'm continuing my work as a pastor. But here's what I am doing and have learned to do and I think is important for me. One, I need to acknowledge the election. First of all, and that mm-hmm. it's coming. So I'm not one to say just dismiss and don't act like it's not important or that it's not coming and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. The other thing that I do is I do encourage people, and again, I'm talking about being a citizen in the United States, mm-hmm. that it's our it's our democratic right to vote. I encourage everybody to vote. Okay. And then the the, the next thing I do is I encourage people to study the issues, be involved, know what's going on, and then vote your conscience, pray. And then vote your conscience. I have not stood up publicly and endorsed a certain candidate. If someone's asked me what the important issues are, I'll have those conversations. And to you, I think abortion is an important issue. It's one of many important issues. But I do think that is an important issue uh, politically. Uh, but it's, but again, it's not the only issue. And so I think there are other important things that need to be talked about. I will have those conversations. I do not stand up and tell somebody how to vote. I've, you know, and. And I've I've never done that. I don't presume that I will. I feel like that's the line. 
as far as you're talking about what is my civic responsibility as a pastor and what is what is not. I rarely t- preach about politics in any way in a sermon unless it's a direct application from the text and it's something that I'm sensing is dividing unnecessarily in our congregation and I need to address that as far as trying to keep unity in a place where it does. But that's that's kind of the guardrails for me, Jim. What about you? What are you? What are you guardrails for you in regard to a pastor at your church? Well, my guardrails have been and probably changed somewhat over the years, or nuanced, or whatever. I, I'm trying to help people to think more in terms of uh, eternity and what is temporal and what's eternal. The temporal matters to me, and, and, and it you know, I just became a grandfather, so I, I have a little baby girl yeah. uh, in my life who. I'm thinking about she's going to be here a long time after I'm gone. She's going to be 80 years old at the turn of the century, you know. And I think about what what is that going to look like? Uh, what is the world going to look like that she is going to uh, inherit? And so that matters to me. And I recognize that good leaders versus bad leaders uh, matters related to the economy and you know her ability, or, you know her, her future husband's ability to take care. I'm thinking about those things. I have a 19 year old son who's studying at university, wants to become a teacher and a baseball coach, and I want him to be able to thrive. You know, yeah, I mean, there are right. things out there that that uh, you know, and my girls, I, I you know, uh, in their work life, I, I care about those things, and and so some of that does it matters to me very much personally. I think a nation that supports and celebrates. In some cases, really does celebrate the slaughter of the unborn, the, um, you know, the the Empire State Building being lit up in support of Planned Parenthood. I, I think that's such an indictment on our nation. Or mm. the Obama administration bathing the uh, the White House in the, in the rainbow colors in support of 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 homosexual marriage, that sort of thing. I think those kinds of things I believe invite the wrath of God uh, mm. uh, upon us. And and while I might say that there. You may have options in regard to who to vote for. There are times I think I can say clearly that you can't support this. I mean, that some of these things, matters of free speech, matters of religious liberty, certainly are going to are going to matter to me pastorally, and, and, me. and that yeah. matter and that matter yeah. to our church, yeah. and that are going to affect our ability to thrive. And so we're told in 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 First Timothy to pray for kings and rulers and for those in authority. And then it's it's unto the end that we might live quiet and peaceable lives, and that's unto the end that we might be able to share the gospel mm. with other people. And, and so I think we need to think in those categories, and and so those are things I would want to, and 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 that's where I feel like I'm not I'm not preaching any kind of political agenda. I think those are some of the things are really exegetical issues that are going to then touch upon. And so I wanted to be able to be that again as a pastor, my job is preach the word, help. You talked about you know. Pre, you know, uh, voting your conscience. Our consciences can be ill-informed or well-informed. They can be culturally informed or biblically informed. And, and a biblically informed conscience is going to struggle at times. I think, Brian, I'm going to back up here and say this, that it a biblically informed conscience is not necessarily going to be able to fit neatly into any party fully. I mean, so we so the GOP, right. the GOP tends to, it's to you know, has a, 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 a platform of pro-life. And, and and more pro family and more pro free speech and 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 pro freedom of religion, those are all things that I can agree with. And but then there are other things you might say. Okay, if I'm trying to think righteously about issues of 
compassion or, or you, you think what, what does justice mean in this particular? Does justice just mean law and order? Yeah. Throw the book at them, let them go to jail for as like long as reaching possible. Reaching the nations. What, what can yeah, we do what the is most about reaching, reaching, yeah, yeah. Yeah, reaching the nations and yeah. that I care about, I care, I care preeminently about a kingdom that cannot fade away. Yeah. America, America has only been here for a little over 200 years. This I mean, you know, in, in its current state. So, you know, the, so that means the kingdom of God got a long, a long time without yeah, that's it, right. and, and that's thrived, right. and will thrive if it eventually falls before Christ returns. Okay. The kingdom of God will survive that, so, and so that's important to remember too. And and so, good, Brian, you're going to say something. I, well, I, just, I, I think it's, it's a good. To, I think it's just good to highlight as we're having this conversation. Like even you and I are are in different places on how much we publicly say to our churches and how much we're leading. So it sounds like you'll say a lot of that publicly. Uh, yeah. Well, so yeah, I've so, preached on it. I, it's been a while, but I did, I did a whole series a few years ago on God and government and just yeah. trying to say, where's government come from? What are God's purposes in government? Uh, what is the overreach of government? What's the Christian's responsibility to government? And then I dealt with a series. It's been a while. Like, I dealt with life issues. I dealt with marriage issues. I dealt, I remember I dealt with the environment um, as well, Chris. Yeah, this like, was a, this was a while ago. This is you know pre Oberfell and some of those things. So, so I totally see why you why you would do that and why you would think that would be helpful for your congregation. I've never preached a sermon like that. I have opinions on these things, and I'll talk about them if somebody comes and talks to me about them. Yeah. If there's something clear that I need to say to the church in regard to just a, a, an issue that that the Bible clearly supports or whatever, it, I mean, we talk about these things. Uh, you know, I. So I, our church, you know, so we certainly are involved in ministries that are uh, that are um, that are against abortion, that are pro-life. Like we we have all kinds of ministries around things that people could easily funnel to a, a political view uh, on on something. But I've I've often just kind of stopped from going and connecting those dots and staying. That that's kind of the line I've tried to find between what's my civil role. And what's my role as a pastor? My role as a pastor is this, right. and and it sounds like, but but I think this needs to highlight even between us the differences in how we are approaching this, and there's not necessarily a right and wrong with it. But even our our understanding of government and the Christian's response to government is very much in play in regard to the 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 time in which we live, not just not just the upcoming election, agree, but the I pandemic. Agree. Yeah. So to what degree, what does it mean to be submissive to those in yeah. authority over you? Like, right, which is, Romans which 13, is, 14, right. It, which is not just given once, it's given several times and given rather starkly. And I'm surprised sometimes at how cavalier American Christians are toward, toward that. Hmm. I understand it. And as, I mean, as an American, I get it. And as a frustrated citizen, I get it. I just struggle with sometimes... <laughs> You know, so uh, you know, is this a time? Is this or that a time or a call for civil disobedience? And, and when does that come? Right. So, what's the role of government? Uh, what is a what kind of citizen should Christians be? It's easier to answer. It's it's relatively easy to be a Christian, and probably one of the easiest places in the world, if not the easiest place in the world, right. absolutely to be a Christian yep. uh, in regard to the government, because our government is largely either hands off or supportive. Of the church, despite sometimes our saying they're not, but that, I think we we worship unhindered, comparably, uh, absolutely yeah, right, yeah. to the world. But but I think we but, need to also acknowledge that that even this last year has raised the stakes on how much we need to understand the things you're talking about. Because for the first time since I can remember, our government actually started to dictate 
whether or not our churches were ma- were meeting for right, a time. and then trying to dictate what you do in those churches, right? And I think so that's that where was, we, that's we've important. talked in the in the past about that, right? And that's where you say that's the limit of your authority. Yeah, I think Brian as well. And we need to understand and this is part. This is a peculiarly American thing. I think I guess it's happened. Obviously, I can't say that because I'm going to read a text that was given to Israel three thousand years ago. There you go. So obviously, it's not a peculiarly American mm-hmm. thing. But I think Christians tend to view government differently depending on who's in it. Whether you're antagonistic, whether you praise God for it or pray against it, you know. So that uh, I think Christians tend to be far more. Um, hey, we need to honor those in authority when we like the one in authority. Yeah, it's, it's and then we to say and that. then we kind yeah. of ignore those texts when it's a guy we don't like or disagree. When it's with. Nero, and yeah, or. Obama or whoever, right? And and so, and, and I I was not a supporter, so I can't make that clear. Um, but the Word of God tells us, this is Psalm 146, and I think, Brian, if we preach anything at this time, because there is a potential, depending on how this election goes, I think the, the, the response to this coming election is going to be unlike anything I, I have seen in my 120 years of living, you know, because I was around the Civil War. Yeah, that's right, right, that's right. I remember when Lincoln was assassinated, yeah. it wasn't this bad, but... Yeah. No, but Psalm 146, verse 3. Do not put your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth, and on that very day his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God who made heaven and earth. And whatever a political candidate is going to do, he's not going to make heaven and earth. Whoever is voted in is not going to end abortion or cause. They're not going to necessarily cause more or less. Yeah, it's just. I think it's a moral stance. It's a, it's a way of our nation saying either we support this or we don't. And I think that that I do believe in the eyes of God that that matters. But if our hope is in that that if we don't have this man is you know Christianity is doomed. Or God is doomed, you know. I mean, we, we had our president say something like to the fact, I'm going to help God, and, and, and my opponent is going to hurt God. And we as believers have to understand that's really, really bad theology. Yeah. You know, no, you're yeah. not going to hurt God. That's right. God is impassable. You're not going to hurt God. Yep. God is unchangeable. You're not going to hurt God. And there are things that, that will change before and after the election. There are things that are going to remain the same. Our job, we preach about the things that remain the same. Mm-hmm. That's our job. Yeah. And, and, and what we are either in comforting, either if we are going to comfort some distressed believers or try to calm down gloating believers, whatever, in the weeks ahead, it's, it's don't despair and don't ultimately triumph because even if even if your guy gets in, the one you most want to get gets in, it's only going to be for four years, or, or eight years at the most. And and, and to recognize and the, and not even that is guaranteed. Yeah. Their, their their breath is in their nostrils. So we're exhorted repeatedly. You don't put your trust in man. You don't hope in horses. You don't hope in chariots. You you hope in the Lord. And if our Christianity is more stable and our hope of God is more stable based on the temporary occupant of a certain office, then then we need to understand that our eyes aren't where they aren't where they ought to be. Yeah. So I think inform inf, you know where we can inform inform. So Brian, one thing real quickly, I know we're closing. Uh, we'll put out we put out voter guides and things like that, where to help people to make intelligent decisions based on issues that we think do matter to biblically inform 
a biblically informed conscience. Okay. Uh, and, and, and that may run further and deeper than the conservative. It may run to the left sometimes, and it may, it's going to run to the right of what other people hold to yeah. because our guide is ultimately the Word of God. Right, and so that's good. My final word on this is, is that you know, pastors help your people remember the things that are eternal, the things, like you said, we minister the things that aren't changing, and no president or any government official changes these things. Or, in fact, you know, I, I just I, I want to encourage us to make sure we continue to put that in front of people. How much you talk about the political issues and nuance it from there is up to you and your own leadership, and your own conscience. Mm-hmm. Even between Jim and I, we, you know, we're we're a little bit in different places on this, and that's okay. Uh, it's okay for for you to be where you are on this. As long as we realize that our ultimate call is to remind the congregation that Jesus is on the throne before and during and after any mm-hmm. election, and that that's where our hope lies, not in, uh, and we can get so caught up in this being our hope that it, somehow our candidate's going to win. But that's not. Let's remind everybody, as well as ourselves, that uh, Jesus is on the throne, and uh, that's where our hope comes. So let me take a minute and pray for each of us in that way. Lord, we're grateful that Jesus is ruling now and on the throne and will be all through the election and your sovereign will will be done, whatever that is. And we pray that that would be so as we enter this election time. We pray, Lord, that it would not divide congregations, but the love for one another would would be what would dominate the conversations and uh, the fellowship that churches enjoy as we approach this time. Lord, give us wisdom as individual Christians, as pastors. Uh, to to vote our conscience and that you would inform it biblically and that it would we would act in that way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.